Welcome to the Winner's Playbook with Steve and Josh. Disclaimer, the information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not take into account your personal circumstances. Please head to the show notes if you wish to book a free 15-minute call to discuss your personal situation. Welcome back to the Winner's Playbook. My name is Steve Sloan. I'm here with Josh Lee. We're talking all about finances and career. Josh, how was your week last week yeah good weekend good yeah. Steve it's been been busy seen a lot of new cases some really interesting ones quite complex scenarios coming up talking some offshore taxes and all these bits and pieces I've had to get involved with some other professionals as well which is quite timely in terms of what we're going to be talking about today is in terms of what your dream team looks like and those you need on your dream team uh, to succeed because I'm really big on on having a bit of a dream team around and having the right professionals around in my own situation but Steve what about yourself how's how's things been Busy, mate. Yeah, look, there's lots of exciting things going on at Link Wealth at the minute. You know, we're looking at offshore companies to build some wealth, give some advice on offshore businesses and things like that. So, yeah, no, it's uh, lots, lots happening as per normal. But if we dig into the topic, mate, this week is all about who is on your dream team. If we suppose get a bit specific here in terms of finances, you know, let's yep. get a bit specific and talk about if we're looking at building our dream team to take care and manage and grow our wealth. What's the starting point here, mate? Where do we start to look at when we're building this dream team? What's the starting point? Yeah, well, obviously, we're going to be a little bit biased because we're the financial advisor. But uh, in all honesty, it has to start with the advisor. And I think where I've seen, unfortunately, some people go wrong is they actually start on the seeking, go to other professionals first. And they, I guess the role of the advisor is, you know, is really more of the vision and the project manager. And that's what I like to tell a lot of clients that come through to me is, Predominantly, our role is to just help people get clarity on sort of who they are, where they are, and then set out that plan for the future of where they want to be. And we're kind of the only profession, if you look at all the main professions in the finance space, like accountants, mortgage brokers, lawyers, you know, maybe you put buyers agents in there as well. None of them, their role is not to really do any of that. And that's really the role of the advisor is to actually help you figure out what you want to get out of life or where you've come from, but then set out those plans to where you want to be and, and ultimately set out all the areas of strategies and, and goals and and so on. And, and and that is the role of a financial advisor. So that's actually not a role of an accountant. It's definitely not the role of a, a mortgage broker or a buyer's agent. So I always say like your first point of call is to actually have a chat with a financial advisor first who can actually help you figure out what you maybe want your life to look like and then we're going to get on to start talking about, well, then who are the other professionals that you that you may need on, on your team? But I see a lot of my role as an advisor is kind of being a bit of a project manager for clients in a way of actually managing all of the other professionals in their life. And I've got a, heaps of clients that I do that for, whereby we get the accountant doing the piece of what they need to as a part of the financial plan, which may be, you know, optimizing taxes or maybe setting up some structures like trusts and and things like that. Then we've got the mortgage broker. Obviously, we have an amazing mortgage broker here at Link, uh, Eddie, looking after Link Wealth Finance, who is usually always going to be taking care of all of the finance and and optimizing that, getting loans, debts, and and everything organized. But then there might be other professionals as well that we have on the team, being buyers agents, you know, lawyers, and and things like that that we need to get involved. So we definitely don't 
do it all alone, but I would say that the financial advisor's role definitely crosses over into a lot of what all of the other professionals are, are doing. So the advisor does a lot of different things. I would say that and really good advisors, in my opinion, they're a bit of an all-rounder. They have a really good understanding kind of of, of all of the different areas. And that's, you know, I think how you can kind of get the, the best advice. But how do you kind of see your role, Steve, as a as an advisor and working with, you know, other professionals and, and things like that with your clients? Yeah, totally. Look, you really are the center point, you know, and you control, you're like the gatekeeper, right? And you've mm. got all those things. And that's where you've got to get a good advisor that knows their stuff and knows when to engage other professionals and when not to, because really a good advisor needs that knowledge, a broad knowledge about who does what when and who's best to slot in at the right times. Because as you go on yep. your wealth journey, you're going to have different needs and things across the journey that come up. And your advisor is there to help you achieve those goals and using all those different skills of all those different people you just mentioned at the right time. So absolutely, we are the gatekeepers um, of that. And to be honest with you, I don't know how people don't do it these days without advisors mm -hmm. because there is so much going on and so many different ways to build wealth. There's so many different tax structures. Having an understanding of that and keeping abreast of all that on your own, I think would be really, really challenging. It's a full-time job, right? That's why we have a job. So yeah, it, it, it's an interesting one. I suppose, mate, if I ask then, you know, if we get into what are the, the key parts, I'll get to the second part of this question in a minute, the key parts of your dream team. But if I talk about specifically about the advisor, when is the time then to engage an advisor for those people out there? Yeah, I get this question so much on, especially on social media. And all I would say, if you're ever unsure, just reach out to an advisor. Like, you know, how we operate, mm. clients can book in a 15 minute call. Usually it's going to go on for a bit longer than 15 minutes, but book yeah. in a 15 minute call. There's no cost in relation to that. And usually within that 15 minute call, we can easily ascertain whether or not you can benefit from any sort of financial advice whatsoever. Yeah. And I always say, if we if you can't benefit from any financial advice, then I'll at least point you in the right direction as to who you need to be speaking with. Maybe you need to go back and read some books. Maybe you do just need an accountant because you're just trying to get some tax help and that's all you need help with. So I always say, if ever unsure, you know, come through and just have a chat. You've got nothing to lose and only anything to gain yeah. um, from doing that. But that's obviously not the answer that we want here. We want to know when is the right time to actually engage a financial advisor. I guess people think, and there's a bit of a preconceived view that you need to be earning a certain amount of money and have a certain amount of wealth to see a financial advisor. That's definitely couldn't be further from the truth, in my opinion. Okay, yes, definitely when you have more assets and you're earning more income, the results in terms of dollar difference that we can make, yeah, that's going to be probably a lot higher when someone's got millions of dollars as opposed to someone who's only got tens, uh, you know, ten thousand dollars to yeah. invest. So dollar for dollar, yeah, there's going to be different sort of bang for, bang for buck. But you know, I I do some great planning with clients that you know couples, you know, maybe they're not even earning between the two of them over a hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand dollars, and they can benefit from some really good holistic planning, getting their cash flow structures right, how to manage their debts, planning out the next property per purchase, fixing mm. up their superannuation, you know, how to protect themselves and their family, maybe looking at some insurances, starting to build some wealth, you know, opening up some investment accounts. And that's the thing, you don't need to have $100,000 to start investing. Like these days, you've got all these different apps that allow you that you can invest with, you know, $5 a week. It doesn't need yeah. to be huge amounts of money to get started. So I think there, there's in my view, there's no real minimum threshold, so to speak, of what exact assets and income you should have. Because I guess an example would be, what if you had no assets, let's just say, so you've got no assets, 
but you've got really good income, well, you can build assets at a very quick, quick rate. So yeah, we can definitely help you. But I guess what would be a situation where we probably couldn't help with? Let's just paint a scenario. Maybe it's a family, both, you know, lower income. So, you know, maybe earning 50 or 60K each, or maybe just one in the couples earning that. Got a couple of kids renting. There's probably not going to be that much of a surplus savings capacity in that situation. Kids are in schooling. We're on maybe one income. In that sort of a situation, it might make us hard to be able to provide materially enough value to warrant getting any sort of advice whatsoever. Because obviously to work with a professional like us, you have to pay a fee. And again, that's why I think we we are really open and transparent. And if, yeah, we have a minimum fee that clients have to pay to work with us, but if we can't add much value back, although we could maybe give them some advice, we're actually not going to offer to actually engage with them no. in that situation and and yeah we always have that open and upfront conversation but yeah there's no simple answer i think to that one so there, there again there yeah. is no minimum income or, or asset threshold but what about you steve when you get that question thrown at you how do you how do you sort of address it or what are some examples you might have there yeah you, you can't really squeeze into a box because you know mm. your, your life can change dramatically over 12 months exactly. you know, we've had some clients who are retired with very little income but then get a big inheritance come in. Uh, exactly. you know, and so that's when we really got to provide some advice, get the right tax structure set up or how we're going to manage it going forward. And, and that can change very rapidly. So it's, it's really based on individual circumstances. I totally agree. And yeah, yep. that look at every good advice practice should be able to do you know, calls for free. You know, and so there's no cost and absolutely just engage to find out. Also just find out what advisors do. I think you know, there's no, no yep. harm in asking those questions if you're not sure what an advisor does, they can come through to you or me and, and have a chat. We can explain that to them. But yeah, totally individual circumstances. Yeah, sure. As you said, there's a certain level of income or asset base that you generally will definitely need an advisor, when, especially when things start getting a bit complex or there's lots of things managing at one time. But if you've got individual circumstances, you just have a call and you can work out. The advisor will be able to work out if there's value there to be added and point yep. you in the right direction if it's, if it's not. Yeah. And what if we start talking then about some of the other professionals in terms of like, how do we then differentiate from say a mortgage broker and an accountant? You know, I've had some pretty interesting cases as of late with accountants kind of giving some financial advice and I might touch mm. on some of those because it's, you know, they're kind of stepping into some things that they probably shouldn't. But yeah, what, what do you kind of explain? Like, I guess an accountant is sometimes where advisors get confused with and maybe there's a little bit of crossover in, in certain areas. And Steve, you used to be an accountant in a, in a previous life. So how do you differentiate yourself now as an advisor versus when you were an accountant? Yeah, I did like a chart, I'm a chart accountant back in the day, mate. It uh, yep. seems a distant memory now. But look, I think the way I try to explain it to clients, accountants, yes, they can do forward planning. Good good ones do. But generally, that is the advisor's role. The advisor's role is to de determine what tax structures we're going to use moving forward into the future. Okay, And that's a decision that's got to be set up properly with a at least 10-year view when you set those structures up. So that advice comes from the financial advisor, that, and that financial advisor must have good accounting knowledge to be able to do that. Yep. Accountants in general will look backwards. So whatever you've done over the last you know, year, they'll look back and work out what's the best way to allocate those earnings or income based on the structures you've already got set up. So that's really my definition of that. So we go forward, accountants generally go backwards, but they go hand in hand, absolutely. You know, you need those two professions working together on your team, talking to each other to really deck out exactly the best setup for, for the individual individual person. 
Yeah, I always I always say accountants are generally more reactive, whereas yep. advisors are generally going to be a bit more proactive. So like you said, accountants generally looking back over the year to figure out how to best allocate and move things. But don't get me wrong, they also need to be forward thinking as well, because yeah. if we're advising around tax structures, family trusts and companies and the alike, we're not setting them up for a one year benefit. We're setting them up because it makes sense to use this thing for the next 10 and 15 and 20 years. So, you know, accountants still do need to be forward looking from that respect. But I think people need to understand that, you know, an accountant's role is not to give you financial advice. They don't, they, they, well, yes, they can have a broad understanding of investments and they probably should like us, like we need to understand what accountants do and, and how they, you know, provide advice and tax returns and tax deductions and, and all those things. But it's not for us to actually compute someone's tax return. And that's why they go to an accountant for. So yes, a good accountant should be able to talk to you about you know what investments are available but maybe some red flags might be when they if they start to try and push you into doing some certain investments or going down a path without considering maybe your broader situation there's that's when you need to start asking some questions and i've seen it a couple of times as of late you know one, one example i had is one unfortunately and it's all it's all sort of gone through is before these clients came to see me they were getting advice from their accountant and their accountant told them to acquire, go out and buy an investment property because this person in particular was building up a lot of money in their company. So they had over half a million dollars built up in the company. And then the accountant's like, well, it's no point sitting there. You need to start investing it. And the accountant suggested you should go and buy a commercial property of, of all things, not for the person to use, but just as an actual asset class, which I'm not saying commercial property is a bad asset class, but there was no real reasoning behind that. And yeah, they, these guys went and did it. Then they met with me after the fact a couple of weeks later. And the because the, the money was in the company, they've now acquired this property through the company. When I actually thought about it, and I was like, wait, why would we do it through the company when we could possibly consider doing it through a self-managed super fund? Mm-hmm. And is that probably going to be a better option? But they'd already signed the contract. And to go back and change all of this mess, you know, would have cost them thousands. And they ended up didn't wanting to do it. So I've seen some scenarios where, yeah, it's, they haven't really considered the whole situation here because I find sometimes, and obviously I absolutely love accountants, they do amazing work, but some accountants I've seen, they get too fixated on the shorter term and the little ins and outs of tax that they sometimes, sometimes they mix the, the sorry, miss the, the, the big picture in the long term. I've seen that a lot yeah. of, you know, another example of a, you know, an accountant who was trying to, you know, get things a bit too complex with the client setting up his company and how he's going to be paying himself. And then I just, because obviously we, you know, as business owners, we have these structures ourselves. So we know how they should work and and operate. And then I kind of just threw my two, two, two cents into the equation and the accountant pretty quickly turned around and said, oh yeah, that's the structure we should end up using. So they were trying to sort of worrying about these little savings here and there and kind of we're going to get the structuring uh, wrong because they weren't thinking about the broader picture. They were too fixated on saving a little $1,000 tax saving here and there and minimize your wage that you're paying yourself. But then it would have actually not allowed this person to go and grow their wealth um, because of how it was going to be structured. So you yeah. definitely need to be getting good advice um, on all fronts. And, and then again, that's where we said like a really good advisor has an understanding of all of those other facets. So, you know, they know how it's kind of going to all interlink there and in, in between. But what about what about the mortgage broker, Steve? Where does where, where do they kind of kick in in terms of what, like what we don't don't do? How do we generally work with brokers? Yeah, again, look, I'm actually a registered mortgage broker myself. Yeah, and look, they again work hand in hand with the advisor and the accountant. But the really structuring debt is where they come into play. How to maximise your servicing, so how much money you can lend off the bank, and they they should be able to help with that. But 
secondary to that is how to structure the debt through different payment terms or you know if fixed versus variable whatever it may be to maximize your cash flow and maximize your purchasing power that's where a good broker steps in but then also reviewing the market have a good array of different lenders that they can call on to suit your needs because a lot of different people may not know this but a lot of different banks have different servicing policies, a lot of different terms yeah. and conditions, and and you can often find a loan that one bank won't do that another bank will. So a good broker should be able to go to the market, really dig dig under the cover of all those lenders and find out the best the best structure for the individual. And Eddie, as you said, is one of the best in the game, I believe, uh, runs our Linkwell Finance business as the senior broker. He does a very good job of being able to do that. And I actually use him personally for my my own personal stuff, as I know you do too. So, so yeah, that's where it really comes into play. So the advisor should give really good advice up front, tax structure, what we're going to do, how we're going to invest, and, and then deck that plan out. Working with the accountant to make sure the structures are set up correctly. It works on a year-to-year basis. We're maximising our cash flow and tax deductions across the journey. And then to to build wealth through asset purchases where we need to, taking on debt, get the mortgage broker worked in at that point to to, to get the game plan moving. Yeah, I think it's a good good point because, and then again, it's kind of all kind of flowing back through the advisor where all of this is happening. And and I always say to clients when, you know, a lot of clients who we work with, it makes sense to actually buy properties and look at investment properties specifically. But yeah, your broker will be able to figure out what your borrowing capacity is and, and things like that. But you might have a very large borrowing capacity, but it doesn't mean you should go out and borrow up to your up to your limits and okay and a broker might say yes you could borrow up to 1.5 million but my role as the advisor is to figure out well how much you should borrow based upon what your circumstances are and what you're actually trying to achieve and more importantly how much you can afford to pay as well because although you might be able to get your hands on that sort of money you know have we looked at what the repayments are going to be relative to everything else because you maybe want to do not all of your investments through property we might want to get some other investments going maybe you've got a lifestyle you want to live as well and you've got holidays and you're planning to have kids so it's not yep. as simple as just going yeah we can borrow 1.5 let's go out and and borrow that it all has to again sort of interlink back into the overall overall plan and then all right we figure out what we want to be buying or how much we should be purchasing for all right, broker, great. You know, we we're going to borrow up to 800000 All right, Eddie, you're going to figure out the best way to do that and get the best finance. And then how are we owning that? All right, accountant, maybe we're going to consider using a trust structure or a self-managed super fund because that's going to be the best vehicle for the longer term. But again, it all sort of like ties back into the the advisor who's then looking after that broader financial plan. But yeah. what about some other professionals, Steve, on, the, on your dream team? Is there anyone else that you might sort of, we know might need to link in from time to time? Yeah, I'd say, look, they're becoming, I think, more popular now, property advocates. We know a couple of very good ones. And I think, you know, they're, and they're there to go there and help you find a property at the right price. And they can do yep. the, help you do that negotiation. You know, you give them some criteria that you're looking at and then engage a good property advocate. Look, it can save you a hell of a lot of time, a hell of a lot of gr- like grunt work. And if you're a busy person, it can be, in particular, very, very handy. And the idea, obviously, they, they, they probably add more value than what their fee is. So negotiate hard on, on the on the contract price and get you a good deal. And they can be worth their weight in gold if they if they get the right property. And then I suppose you've got your lawyer, probably less, less of an ongoing situation, that one. Similar to a property advocate, you know, you probably use them when you do need to buy a property. But apart from that, it's not necessarily an ongoing relationship and a lawyer is the same you know a lawyer generally you can use for wills or estate planning or if there's complex tax trust issues or in business you know we deal with a lot of business owners at link and often we may have some business matters that come into play that we need to get a lawyer 
involved with. So having a good lawyer on your team when when you need it is is super important because when you do need it, often it, it's sometimes not not a good situation to be in. And having a good lawyer, and you know, we've we've had a couple of clients who have needed good lawyers at certain times that we've called on, and and they've stepped in at the right time. Yeah, so some of those other professionals, I suppose, they're a bit more transactional in terms of yeah. how they come in and they kind of come in and come out of the of the plan. But in closing, Steve, this is a good sort of link in here because we're talking about your dream team and who you should have on your team. But this is obviously a part of why Link is called Link Wealth Group. Do you want to kind of give a bit of the the story there as to because this directly ties into all of what we're talking about here in terms of why you you choose you chose to call Link what it is. Yeah, funnily enough, it is actually based on that, that we are here to link in the best professionals to assist our clients meet their needs. And that was where the founding name, when I came up with the name originally was, you know, if if we, we need to be able to find the best professionals and work with the best professionals to make sure our clients are going to achieve their goals and hit their dreams. And and that's exactly where the name, the name came from back in 2012 when the company was founded. That's a great way to finish it out, Steve. Well, yeah, guys, hope you got some value listening in today. And as always, if you're getting value from this, five stars on Apple and Spotify, greatly appreciated. And of course, anyone wanting to chat through to either Steve and myself, or of course, any of the other advisors in a team, if you jump on the Link Wealth Group uh, website, you can take your pick of any of the advisors. Or if we're also talking about some other professionals, Link Wealth Finance, we do have Eddie in there looking after everything mortgage broking. So anything else, Steve, on your end before we close, mate? No, mate, no, good chat. And we'll see you on the next one. Done. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate.